you lived in Chicago in the early 2000s, it's likely that you saw a billboard on the side of a bus at some point advertising a musical. Uh, the title of this show gave me a certain grim pleasure, I must admit. It was called, I Love You, You're Perfect, Now Change. I think we're all aware, by the fact that you laugh at this, uh, the, that there's a temptation to show love for someone by helping them to change, by knowing what to fix about them. And we have all kinds of euphemisms for this activity. You know, you'd be so much happier if only you'd do this, right? And I mean it for your good. But it's actually dangerous when a profession of love slides over into this kind of meddling uh, with others. Uh, for one thing, it puts me in a, an advantageous position of knowing what someone else should change when they can't figure it out for themselves. But there's also this suggestion that uh, I love you because you have the potential to be someone other than you are at the moment. And this is to risk loving a person that doesn't yet exist rather than the actual person who's in front of me. And this also makes love seem like something conditional. I will love you if you cooperate in what I want you to change or what I think you ought to be. And often enough, again, this pursuit of change is something that begins innocently with genuinely good intentions. And let's also notice that oftentimes when people fall in love, they do change. And it's often a wonderful thing to see. Uh, and to love another person is to will that person's good. And oftentimes we see that we, we all know that the people we know don't always make the right choices. We don't make the right choices. So discovering what is good for someone else requires uh, us to get the actual person, uh, understanding that person in his or her actual circumstances, accepting the person as he or she is now, and not jumping to any conclusions about any perceived shortcomings. So oftentimes when we find out more about the person, we see, oh, that's why he acts that way. Well, I guess it's not such a big deal, all things considered. Um, so I bring all of this up because in today's gospel, Jesus commands us to love one another. This is how others will know that we are his disciples. And I'm interested in asking myself, uh, what kind of obstacles stand in the way of us hearing this commandment and responding with generous and open hearts? If we think that loving someone else means wanting them to change, then what if they don't change? And again, I, I've, I've said it to many people. I'm, I'm sure you've discovered this. I don't have to reveal it to you, but it's hard enough changing myself, much less somebody else, right? So uh, if my expectation is that this person is going to change because I have such great advice or whatever, um, what happens when they don't change? Do I stop loving them? Do I fall out of love? If loving each other means having good feelings for someone else, isn't this uh, to place too much weight on things that are quite changeable? And so far in this homily, we've only looked at the psychological perspective. And I've done that on purpose because I think that's how we tend to look at these problems at first blush. But in fact, the new commandment that Jesus gives us today has two parts to it. It's love one another as I have loved you. So the big question is, what is Jesus telling us about how he has loved us? And this is something we will spend the rest of our lives and the rest of eternity contemplating. So there's no easy answer to it. But I'll give you one formula from one of St. Paul's letters. When we were God's enemies, 
we were reconciled to God by the blood of Jesus' cross. That's to say, even when we didn't act like we were loving God, when we weren't necessarily very pleasing to God, he took us as we were. He came and rescued us. He didn't ask anything of us before Christ went to the cross and died for us and was raised from the dead. That all all took place before he asked anything of, of you and me, right? So it's important that before we draw the conclusion, I want to pause here now, before we draw the conclusion that, okay, I have to lay down my life for another, we do. But let's linger a little while longer on God's love for us because this is so important and it's so easy to overlook. Rightly understanding the new commandment depends on our experiencing ourselves as loved by God, experience ourselves as lovable, you know, this, this famous line of St. Augustine, you love me, O Lord, and you made me lovable. And how often it feels like we're not lovable. Uh, so, we're, not only are we loved and lovable, but we're loved by the three p- persons who really matter, you know. God does hope that we will change. It sounds kind of funny to speak of God as hoping, but that's what we say. But this is something that we're going to desire on our own, we'll be motivated to change once we understand how much God loves us. We'll see that, that it just makes sense. We'll want uh, to overcome whatever obstacles there are to changing. Because let's think about those obstacles that we all have again. If a person has a low self-image, is tied to habits of self-neglect or self-criticism, more criticism is not likely to make the person change, right? Um, yeah, you should stop doing that. Our culture actually forces more of us into that box, I think. Uh, there's, there's so many things. If, you know, when you open up your browser on, on your computer, uh, we use Firefox because that's supposed to be more secure, but they, they give you like the six articles you gotta read. And almost all of them are telling you something you should watch out for, you should change, you could do better on this. Uh, it's not time of the day to click on all of these and, and I actually get to the thing I need to. So many of us, in dealing with issues of self-acceptance, I think, deal with it by finding other people to change, right? So it's easier to focus on somebody else's flaws than my own, because that makes me less uncomfortable. Now, when we truly encounter God, as we do every week, or for the brothers here, every day in the Eucharist, what do we discover? We find a God who is so at peace with himself, so sovereign, that he is able to offer himself humbly under the appearances of bread and wine, to our humble human nature, to feed us, to be received bodily into us. And this is possible because of the obedience of the Son of God to offer himself for our sins, right? So the Eucharist is made available to us because Jesus died for us first. And he, so he's offering himself for those sins of ours that we can't really make up for on our own. He's cleansing us from those shortcomings that generate that low self-image in the first place. And to tell each of us, you are worthy of communion with me and with my saints. And the motivation to change, then, is, as I say, it often arrives by a kind of natural dynamism of our attraction to the excellence of God's love. How beautiful it is that the God of the universe takes interest in each one of us, every single one of us. I'll close with two examples of what I mean by this motivation to change. Um, 
I have to do this because we're pledged to conversion over here. <laughs> we're supposed to be changing all the time. It's hard. When I was a performing musician, there was nothing that motivated me to practice more than seeing a fantastic live performance. I can remember being at concerts and thinking, I can't wait to get home and play. Just can't wait. And I see I can't play like them yet, but I want to. That's so beautiful. It's so excellent. It, it, uh, I want to change. Now, that means you, you need motivation when you're going to learn to improve as a musician because you've got to get ready for frustration when you're practicing, for not feeling like uh, getting at it, for admitting my own deficiencies. Yeah, my left hand on the piano is pretty weak. Uh, got to work at it. I'm right-handed, you know. Um, to recognize there are unexplored potentialities, perhaps in my own playing, that I never even noticed, you know. I never thought of doing it that way. How could I be so ignorant, right? So all these things, I'm admitting that I have a lot to improve, but I want to improve because I see the beauty of it. So you're able to deal then with the difficulties of hard work and close attention and boredom that comes with the deliberate pace of real change and lasting change. Last example, a parent who is aiming to be a good parent is often motivated by the natural goodness of a child. And the serious responsibility of child-rearing motivates a young father, let's say, I'll keep it to the guy's end for now, motivates a young father to address his shortcomings, maybe to uh, cut down on work or cut down on, on time out with his buddies, maybe to stop using foul language or to check his temper when things are annoying him, right, to change. And this is funny, you know, where uh, I think many of us experience where we used to be very critical of our parents, especially my own parents, uh, after this guy does the hard work of changing himself, he now understands the struggle of other parents. He, he now gets it. Like, there's a beauty to being a good parent, and it's hard. But I want to be that. I want to be that. And now I appreciate the difficulties that my own parents experienced. So any advice, then, that comes out of that experience is no longer it's me over you showing you what you need to change. It's me in sympathy with you. Like, this is the beauty of being a good parent. If you ever need anything, let me know. Uh, we, we accept each other at where we're at. And so we're back where we started, loving by accepting others. We see that behind this is not just the psychologi psychological reality only, but the mysterious overflowing love of God for his creation. This is a love that frees us from the paralysis of self-recrimination or finger-pointing. It's the excellence of the love manifested in the man Jesus Christ who humbled himself so as to dwell with us, with the human race. Let us strive to know this love and ponder this love at all times so that we may in truth love one another.